In a recent Reporter magazine, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod congregations were encouraged to support our seminaries with your prayers and with your gifts. Recent graduating class of future pastors had a lot of potential. They're up-and-coming leaders of the church. The sad thing is that in about five years, as many as half of these men will no longer be in pastoral ministry. Many of them just get discouraged. They give up. They quit. They will do something else. Some will have moral failures. Some will have problems with finances. Most of them just get discouraged and they give up. In fact, there's a lot of people who simply do not make it to the finish line. A lot of people start off good in their life. They grow in their faith. But as time goes on, They stumble and stray away. They do not make it to the finish line. So this morning, please take out the sermon notes that have been provided for you. See, in your notes, life is a marathon. Life is not a 50-yard dash. It is not how you start the race that really matters. It's about how you finish the race. A lot of people are good starters. A lot of energy. A lot of enthusiasm. But life is a marathon. Look at Galatians 6 verse 9. So don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't get discouraged and give up. For we will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. So do you ever get tired of doing what is good? Sure you do. You heard the story probably about the young man who liked to sleep in on Sunday mornings. His mother would call up to him, son, it's time to get up. Church starts in one hour. The son responded, I don't want to get up and go to church. Mother called up again, son, it's time to get up. You have to get up now. The son again shouted, I'm tired. I don't want to get up and go to church. For the third time, the mother shouted, son, get up now. It's Sunday. The son finally said, Mom, just tell me why I have to get up. Mom said there are two reasons. Son, you're 27 years old. And secondly, you're the pastor of the church. All of us at times get tired of doing what is good. How do we get that staying power? How do you make it to the finish line in life? How do you not flame out spiritually? before you get to the end of your life. One of the best examples of the guy is the name Paul. Paul had incredible endurance. He understood pressures. What Paul went through in his life would kill many of us. We would be, have fallen apart. We would have crumbled, copped out. So what was the secret? Look at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 and 9. Please read it with me together out loud. Together, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Paul has incredible endurance. Paul is a guy with great resilience. He will not give up. In fact, Paul is our spiritual Rocky. Paul says, I'm hard-pressed. That means he was pressured from every angle. 
He kind of endured the blitz on the quarterback every play. Paul also says, I am perplexed. That means he didn't understand what was going on in his life as he was serving the Lord. And I'm sure that you have never felt like that, right? Why things are going the way they are. Welcome to the club. Even the greatest Christian leader next to Jesus himself, the Apostle Paul, he felt perplexed. He was stretched to the limit. And then Paul says, I I am persecuted. The Greek actually says hounded and hunted down. Sort of like a boxer. Paul says he was knocked down, but he would get back up. He was knocked down, but he was not ever knocked out. Paul was tempted to be discouraged, but he never did. Why? Paul knew the secrets. We're going to look at four secrets of Paul for staying power. So number one in your notes, if you want to last to the finish line, you must relax in God's grace. I didn't say you must believe in God's grace or you must teach God's grace. Many people teach God's grace, but they do not themselves enjoy God's grace. The message version of Matthew 6, verse 31 What I am trying to do with here is to get you to relax, Paul says, to be so not be so preoccupied with your getting so that you can respond to God's giving. See, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking about worry and that how many people are preoccupied with trying to get right with God by their own good works. They do not see that Jesus, in Jesus, God is giving them his grace. People were focusing on the wrong things. You need not focus so much on what you can do for God, but rather you need to focus on what God has already done in Jesus for you. Everything in your life you have because of God loves you. Everything you have in your life is because God's grace. So in your notes, God does not give you what you deserve. God gives you what you need because God is merciful to you and me. Paul says that if you want to make it to the finish line, if you do not want to burn out your faith before you get to the end of the life, then understand, understand God loves you. And since you have everything by his grace, because of his tremendous love, you don't have to give up. Look at 2 Corinthians 4 verse 1. Since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not want lose heart. Now, God does not just love you. He likes you. God's very fond of you. Did you know that? Some of you never thought of it quite like that. In fact, some of you think that God is rather mad at you at times. God is looking into your heart. He's checking it twice to see whether you are naughty or nice. But when you are a child of God, when you know Jesus as your Savior, all your sins have been paid for by Jesus on the cross. All your sins have been wiped out. They're gone. So you can relax. Relax in the grace of God. Two factors to help you really relax. In your notes, number one, you do not any longer have to prove your worth. You don't have to try to prove your worth. If God likes me, and if you don't like me, that's your problem. If God likes me in spite of all my mistakes, that gives me my worth. That's important. The other thing... Not only do you not have to prove your worth because of God's grace, but number two, you do not have to wallow in failure. You and I make mistakes, don't we, all the time. But do I have to wallow in them? Not at all. 
Why? Because of God's grace and his forgiveness. You're not going to make it in life if you do not relax in God's grace. Number two, in your notes, if you want to last until the finish line, Paul says you must remember it's not about you. The second key for lasting in life, remember it's not about you. If you think that it's all about you in life, then you are either going to be bitter or you're going to get prideful. When people don't treat you right the way you expect to be treated, then you get bitter or resentful. Or when people think it's all about you, then you get prideful. And you start thinking, I'm deserving of all these special treatments. You're filled with pride. The reason Paul was able to handle all that stress in life because he realized it really wasn't about him. It's about God. So look at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5. We don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach Christ Jesus, the Lord. All we say about ourselves is that we are your servants because of what Jesus has done for us. The phrase, it is not about you in your notes, is today most counter-cultural. A counter-cultural statement that you can make. It's the exact opposite of what everybody in our society is teaching. Every advertisement in our society teaches, it is about you. We do it your way. Have it your way. We do it all for you. You deserve it. We've got to think about what is best for you. Everything in our society teaches that you do not think about other people. You just think about yourself. And that is godless. That is self-centered. All advertisements appeal to your self-centeredness. So in our society, when someone comes along and says, hey, really, it's not about you, it's like a slap in the face. But it's a wake-up call. In your notes, life is about God's plan. It's not about you. Life is about God's purpose. It's not about you. It's all about God's plan and purpose for your life. If you're going to last in following Jesus, then you need to understand You have to clarify your motivations in your notes. To last, the motivation to last is why. Why determines the how long. Write that down. Why always determines how long you last. If you don't know why you do what you do, then when the problems come along, and they will, you're going to give up. You're going to flame out. You're going to cave in you're going to crumble because you do not know why, why you're doing what you do. You will not last to the finish line. You will not make it until the end of the marathon. Why always determines how long. Why should I stay married anyway? Why should I stay on that job? If you don't know why, you're going to give up. Paul is very crystal clear in all of his motivations. Paul's why. His example in your notes It's always for Jesus' sake. Why did Paul put up with all that he did? Why did Paul travel to all those places on foot? Why did Paul allow himself to be thrown into prison, to be mocked, be stoned, beaten, go without food, without water, be shipwrecked? All those trials in life Paul went through while trying to spread the good news about Jesus to the Roman Empire. Why? Paul did it put up all those things. Paul said, I did it for Jesus' sake. Number one, relax in God's grace. Number two, 
Remember, it's not about you. Number three on the back of your notes. If you want to last until the finish line, you must renew yourself daily. I have a car that has 200,000 miles on it. What's the secret of its staying power? It's served regularly by a good mechanic. You have to renew. You also have to renew your spirit, your soul. You must be renewed yourselves. Look at Paul's secret, the staying power. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Therefore, he says, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly, we are wasting away. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. To last over the long haul in ministry. I have a simple formula I have on my computer. It says divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. Every day you renew yourself spiritually and emotionally. It's called a quiet time. And then you exercise and do gardening and shovel snow on a good day. Know what recharges you. Faithfully do what re-energizes you as an individual. So you can keep going. You have to have things that are developing you all the time. A lot of people are like poor photographs. They're overexposed or underdeveloped. We need to develop and renew. And Paul says that we are wasting away outwardly. In your notes, outwardly, for some of us, is like, in your notes, having furniture problems. Having furniture problems? I have furniture problems personally. My chest has dropped into my drawers. That's called furniture problem. Bifocals and baldness, bulges and wrinkles, aches and pains. You cannot stop the aging process. But inwardly, Paul says, we can stay young. He recharges every 24 hours. Renew yourself daily. Every day, renew involves two things in your notes. Number one, a plan. Make a list of things that do really renew you. How do you get recharged? What is fun for you? What does re-energizing mean to you, both emotionally and spiritually? In the military, they teach the art of what we call in-flight refueling. Planes are in the air. They stay in the air all the time, but they will have to keep them refueled. They have to learn in-flight refueling. We, you, all, you and I also need a plan for refueling ourselves. And number two, you need, number two, a partner. You need a plan and you need a partner. You need other people in your life. Look at Ecclesiastes 4, verse 12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three people are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So if you're going to last in following Jesus, if you're going to reach the finish line, you need a partner. Your Christian spouse can serve as a strong partner for you in your life. God can bring two people together for that very purpose of serving him, doing his will. So having a partner is also a key reason in your notes to be involved in Bible study or a small group. Members of the church who are in Bible study are less likely to drop out of their church. So I keep pushing you all to be involved in some Bible study. I want to, you to reach the finish line, the end of the marathon. Relax in God's grace. Remember, it's not about you. Renew yourself daily. 
And number four in your notes, refocus, refocus on eternity. Paul says that you're going to give up. You're going to flame out. You're going to cave in. You're going to crumble. You will not last to the finish line. You will not make it to the end of the marathon unless you refocus on eternity. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. For our present trouble, Paul says, are quite small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see right now. Rather, we look forward, forward to what we have not yet seen. For the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joy to come will last forever. Paul says that he has his eyes, his vision, his focus is on heaven. He realizes that there's more to life than just the here and now. He's maintaining an eternal perspective. So in your notes, when your eyes are on God, God gets bigger, your problems get smaller. When you lose your perspective on God, then you get tired every time. It was Vince Lombardi who used to say, fatigue makes cowards of all of us. There are three key life motivations. Those three I listed in your notes. Number one, there's the internal motivation. Internal motivation comes from what's inside of you to be motivated. Number two, there is external motivation. External motivation comes from other people, from outside ourselves, from other rewards that we have. But the greatest motivation is not internal, is not external, but number three, the greatest motivation in life is eternal, eternal. You realize that everything in this life is only going to attest. You will pass look past those problems, you look towards the final reward. So in conclusion, Paul's purpose is greater, God's purpose is greater than your problems. God's plan for your life is greater than all the problems that you're going through. So if you focus on your problems, you're going to get discouraged. If you keep your focus on what God has set before you and say, Lord, I know that you have eternal rewards for me in heaven. That gives you the ability to keep on keeping on until you cross the finish line. Look at Hebrews 12, verse 2. In conclusion, please read it with me together out loud. He endured the cross, looking forward to the joys that before him. Amen.